What a blessing to know that you've been saved and your name's written in heaven. Amen. And that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, thank you for being here uh, this morning. Please open your Bibles if you have it. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen to Luke chapter number 10. Please, in your Bibles, Luke chapter number 10. And we're going to just hear a gospel message that simply relates to what Curtis has experienced by God's grace through faith and that is salvation, what Christ has done in his life and, um, and by saving him and forgiving his sin. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, say a word of prayer first and then we'll read the passage and we'll get into the sermon this morning and I hope and pray that you've come with a, with a heart that is ready to hear from the word of God. There's, there's a lot of noise out there in the world today, a lot of different uh, people saying different things but we want to hear the truth and uh, Jesus said these words you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free and when Jesus frees you you are free indeed not only from your sin but also from being susceptible to the lies that's out there in the world and so uh, we want to pray and ask the Lord to settle our hearts this morning that we may know the truth from God's word and the reality of life so let's pray Father in heaven, Lord God, we do come before you this morning and we thank you for your grace, how you work the words of life in the life of this man, Curtis. And Lord, how you convicted him of his sin and allowed him to have eyes to see the Saviour. We thank you for your grace upon his life. It's only by your word that is quickening and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we thank you for the convicting work that your word and your Holy Spirit does in our life. And so, Father, I ask and pray that your word will minister to the hearts of your people, especially those that don't know you as their personal saviour. We ask and pray that your living word, Father, will impact and convict and prompt and, and help them to have eyes to see their need for a saviour. We pray that your will be done this morning and that you'd get a hold of our hearts. Father, help me convey your word simply. Please, Lord, help me not to tippy-toe around the truth. Help me not to be ashamed of the truth. Help me to present the truth with simplicity and with power by declaring it as it is in truth that your people may be made free and come to know you is to know life eternal. We pray for that to take place today in the hearts of those that are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 10, we'll begin from verse 17. Notice what the Bible says there. The Lord Jesus commissioned 70 disciples to go forth and uh, to heal the sick, uh, to, to uh, also uh, cast out devils, if you will, and not only this, but also to preach the gospel of good tidings, the good news. And the verse 17, they returned again, the 70, that is, that he commissioned to go forth. Notice that word here, with joy, with joy, saying, Lord, even the devil, devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give, you unto, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But look at verse 20, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in where? In heaven. That your names are written in heaven. In our current culture today, seeking joy and happiness is 
on top of the list for many people. People are seeking pleasure and happiness uh, and finding their you know, purpose in life, finding some sort of joy and fulfillment, satisfaction and contentment. They're seeking uh, things that would make them happy. See, happiness comes from something that happens. So people try to find things that are happening to try to fulfill their uh, joy and satisfaction. So now let me say this to you, seeking after joy or seeking after uh, things that make you happy is not necessarily wrong. But let me say this, the source of our happiness is in question. That's in question. So the question must be then asked, what are we seeking after to make us happy? What is the very thing we're looking for in order to fulfill the satisfaction in our life? There are many people that are seeking satisfaction in sin sinful pleasures or in a sinful manner. They seek after sex, drugs and rock and roll. The most common sinful practices is sex outside of marriage, music and entertainment, uh, rock and roll, drugs, whatever it is, but this is the most common denominator in our world today. However, let me just say that this is only temporarily. It might satisfy for a moment, but it's not long-lasting. That's why someone has to go and, uh, for the next weekend and seek it out again and again and again, because it never, it, it never satisfies like a dog chasing his tail. Every weekend, they live for the weekend. Thank God it's Friday and then Monday-itis comes. Why? Because they're miserable again. And after reality sits in and then they have to go and uh, continue to seek that joy or that satisfaction. In Luke 15, Jesus spoke a story regarding a pro prodigal son that left his father's house to go and live uh, a, a sinful life, a, a life uh, of sinful pleasure. The Bible says that he spent his substance in riotous living. In other words, he was reckless. His father gave him his inheritance and he wasted it on lavish, if you will, sinful living. And the Bible says in verse 14 that he began to be in want. He spent everything that he had. There was a famine in the land and he kind of hit rock bottom and he began to be in want. In other words, he was discontent. He spent everything that he had. And let me say this to you, when you uh, seek for the temporary happiness, it's going to, you come to the end of your life, realize that you're going to be in want. You're going to be lacking. You're going to be in need. There are some people who seek satisfaction in a very selfish manner, not only a sinful manner. They seek after beauty, recognition, fame and fortune are the stepping stone of their egoistic, uh, simply accomplishment. In other words, let me say this. The more money they have, the more accolades, praise, praises and compliments, the more likes and clicks and all the rest of it is where they find that joy and satisfaction and that, you know, recognition. But again, that's temporary. The truth is that doesn't last and, 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 and all the money and all the accolades and all the treasures that they have simply accumulated in this world will one day be taken away. You can't take your money with you in the grave. Now, again, money's not wrong, but the love of it is, the pursuit of it is, you know, and, and, and so another story is told in Luke chapter 12. Jesus told the story about a man who said that he uh, would live it up and build greater barns. He'll tear down his, uh, you know, smaller barns. He'll, bring, he'll build these greater barns. And he say, look what he said. He say to his soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy, take thy ease, eat, drink, and be what? Mary, be happy. You, look, look, at, look at this retirement that you've got. It's going to set you up for how long? <laughs> yeah, and this is what people do. Now, again, setting up your, for your retirement and having a bit of money to, to live is not wrong, but this is what he's depended upon. This is what he was uh, simply, simply hoping in. 
And what, what God said to him, look, at, look what God said to him. He says, thou fool, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast what? Provided. Don't you know that your life could be taken from you like this? So although you're planning for tomorrow and you're investing for your retirement, fine, but is that what you're living for? Because one day your life could be taken away like this. And then all these things that you have built up, these treasures here on earth, who are these going to be provided for? And then we see the disposition of a foolish person in verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. If you're just living, living for the here and now, storing up treasures in your barns, then you're not rich toward God. You're going to have your moment here on earth and everything will be taken away. And there are some people who seek after satisfaction, let me say this in a, in, in a, in a sincere manner. Some people try to seek after and focus on their careers to, uh, to earn wages and live. Fine. They, they seek after a spouse to marry and make a family. Good. Some want to raise up kids and hope to have a home uh, with, with children. Okay. But these things are good in their place, but once again, if we are depending upon these things for our last, long, eternal happiness, then we're going to be let down. See, the man says, only if I get that job, I'll be happy. He gets it, works for two years, and he's bored again. Only if I get that girl, he gets the girl of his dreams, and somehow they have an argument in their home, and those butterfly feelings are dissipated. You know, they're gone. They're, they're out. They're, oh, I thought this is going to be fabulous. He doesn't understand that you have to work in marriage, love, and selflessness, and so forth. And only if I had kids, and they have kids, and all of a sudden the kids are riotous. They think they're angels in the beginning, but they re they start to realize that they're sinful people that need Jesus, and they don't know how to handle this. Oh, they're driving me crazy. See, people, only if I get that, only if they get, they get it and they realize that those things aren't even satisfied. You know, Jesus met a woman at a well and she was drawing water from the well and Jesus said to her that the water that you drink from this well, you will thirst again, but the water that I give you, you will never thirst. She said, where is this water? Give me it, I want it. I want this water. And the reason why Jesus said that to her because she was trying to find satisfaction in men or in her husband. Uh, he said to her very clearly when she said, uh, you know, where's this water? He said to her this in verse 16. Uh, he said, Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. I mean, what a response to someone saying, where's the water? I want this water. Well, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right. You're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five already and the man that's with you is not, a, not your husband. You know, Jesus wasn't trying to condemn her. He was trying to show her that men are not going to even satisfy you in life. But I will. What I give you will. So he was trying to find satisfaction in perhaps a husband that let her down. She had been divorced and remarried five times and the man that she's with now, hoping perhaps to get married, realizing that you will not be satisfied, even though it's good. God initiated marriage, by the way, amen. Let me say this to you, no happy home will ever take place if you don't have God in the center of it. You don't have the Word of God in the center of it. You don't have Jesus in the center of it. It would be miserable. Even then, it's hard and you need to work at it. Sacrificing God gives you the grace and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to work and, and make those things that are good and put in their place right. But they never can bring true everlasting joy. Only Jesus can. And then there are those that seek happiness in uh, a spiritual manner. 
those that try to find an AA meeting to identify with those people that are going through the same problems that they're going with and they're seeking a higher power, those that probably go and do yoga to, to perhaps even invite these other spirits into their life, those that seek some religion, if you will, to burn incense and candles and have some sort of spiritual connotations, uh, something that's beyond uh, human life. They, they want to act spiritual, look spiritual, or, or, or be religious, even then. The man is not satisfied. Even in our text, in proper religion, in service to God, when Jesus commissioned the 70 to go out and, 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 and gave him power over, over devils, and they came rejoicing. Jesus said, don't rejoice in this, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. That's what he says very clearly. I want to give you two things. The reason for their rejoicing and the reward for their rejoicing. The reason for the rejoicing. Let me say this. Why did Jesus say to rejoice because your names are written in heaven? I mean, why not rejoice over the fact that God has given them power over dangerous predators like serpents and scorpions? Why not rejoice over the fact that God has given them uh, power over dangerous people like their enemies? Or even uh, power over demons? I'll tell you why. Because all these things that God has given them power over are lacking one thing. None of them have the power over death. You can have power over disease. You can have power over uh, 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 dangerous predators and your enemies and even demons. But only Jesus can give you power over death itself. This is the last enemy, Paul says, that Jesus conquered. Jesus conquered the, the destroying of the devil and deceiving the people while dying on the cross. He crushed his head, but when he rose again, he conquered death. And this is what every single person needs. They need uh, this assurance, if you will, that one day when they die, they'll be with the Lord in, in heaven. And this is what Jesus was trying to convey, if you will. He's given them eternal security, the security that, that, that a person, when they close their eyes, they open them again and they're in the presence of God. What an assurance to have. I've been on the bedside uh, of someone that's dying without Jesus. And I've been on the death, death bedside of someone that's dying with Jesus. And let me say this to you, they're two different reactions. I'll never forget it, being there on the bedside of a man that never had his assurance and fear when I asked him, if you were to die today, what, do you know where you're going to go when you die? And fear gripped him. He looked at me with these wide open eyes. He was in palliative care. He was on his last legs. His estranged wife told me to go visit him because he came to church, but I wasn't sure if he trusted Christ as his saviour. And I remember she called me up again and she said, could you go visit him again? He's, he's, he's gone, he's going, he needs someone there. I went again and he was not responsive. As a matter of fact, I went in that room and he was gasping for air while he was a little unconscious. Never forget, it got goosebumps from head to toe. He was doing these ones. <gasps> over and over again. I've never seen a dying man on his last legs like that. I just didn't know what to do. They made sure that the, the, it was a, uh, you know, the lights were dim, the music was playing. And, and I thought, you know what? They say when people are dying like that, they, the last thing that they lose is their hearing. And I began with the scripture that I know to start reciting scripture. 
And uh, I remember the, 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 the man that was the janitor that came, the man that was just there to clean up the place. He, he looked in like that while I was just reciting scripture to a man, giving him hope on his last stretch. I said, it's okay, it's okay. It's all good. You can keep going. There's a man here dying. He's on the brink of eternity. And I've been on the bedside of someone that knew the Lord. And I asked them that question. If you were to die today, it was my mom. Do you know where you're going to go? And with a big fat smile, she said yes. She said, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, though you were dead, you shall live. And she began to sing a hymn. And not long after, she gave up the ghost. There's no greater joy but to know that your names are written in heaven. There's no greater joy than to know that one day when you die, you'd be with the Lord in heaven. Rejoice because of this. Re rejoice. You know, the Apostle Paul had this rejoicing. He said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, for, for to me to live is Christ, but to die is what? What's that word? Gain. It's profitable. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that if I die right now, it's profitable, it's a gain, it's not a loss? Can you say that? Can you say, for me to live right now, I'm living for Christ, but if I die, it's a profit. What a paradox. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, to be with Christ is far better. If I'm here, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to, to work for Christ. And Paul was an apostle, no doubt, working for the ministry. He, he was used by God to pen down, if you will, uh, most of the New Testament. But he was rejoicing more in the fact that one day he was going to be with the Lord. He said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Can you say that? Can you say that if you give up the ghost right now, that you will die and be in the presence of God? There's no greater joy, there's no greater assurance, there's no greater rejoicing than to know that your names are written in heaven. The authority to become a child of heaven is to be more valued than the power to work miracles. You don't forget Judas was one of the twelve and, and he would have been given some sort of grace or power, if you will, to do some sort of uh, ministry. But he was never saved. He was never saved. That's why Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 is not there by accident. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. And the will of the Father is for you to believe on Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation. But many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, but did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out devils? And in your name do many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Wow. What a shock horror for those people that think that they're going to get to heaven by doing works or an amazing power that they've been given or good, wonderful things. They're not going to get a shock of their life. As a matter of fact, Jesus gives the contrast. Don't rejoice because of this, but rather rejoice because of this. In other words, you're not saved by uh, working some sort of miracle. You're not saved by uh, doing some sort of good deed, but you are saved only because God puts your name and writes it in heaven. That's how you're saved. That begs the question then, how do I get my name in heaven? How do I get my name in this book called the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, you've got to understand, number one, you can't save yourself. You're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room have missed the mark, if you will. We've sinned against the Holy God. We've broken God's commandments. We've, we've, we've not loved God like we should. We've, we've used his name in vain. We've lied. We've, we've coveted. We're, we're, we're sinful people. You must come to the realization we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And you must realize that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages or the penalty for our sin is death. Because of our sin, the wages and what we deserve is death. And listen, this is not only physical death, but this is a spiritual death. This is a second death. This is a death that you and I will experience when we die and stand before God. And if we die without Christ, we'll be judged for our sin. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, using the conjunction, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through who? through Jesus Christ. It's not through church. It's not through giving. It's not through working miracles or, or having some sort of power. You know, the devil's got power. You know, he's got his minions working around in spiritualism today. You see a lot of spiritualism today, witchcraft. That's the devil's power, but it can never supersede God's power. See, the devil can never give you life. Only God can through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the devil has come to destroy your life. Jesus says, I've come to give life. There's a big contrast. Not to just give it, but give it more abundantly. Jesus wants to give you eternal life. That's nothing what the devil can give you. He'll give you temporary power, temporary joy, temporary happiness. It's all a facade. It's all fake. God gives you the real authentic. God is the real deal. God is the one that loves you, cares for you. The devil hates you, wants to destroy you. He, he uses things to lure you in, sucks you in, and spits you out, never leaves you the same. He tempts you with the things of the world. God lets it happen for a reason. He tries you to see who do you love more, me or the devil, darkness or light. And I hope you will pass the test and say no and repent and turn to God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God loved you at your worst. He knew what you would do before you would do it, and he still sent his son to come and save you and die for you. He's not here to condemn you. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave heaven's best. God gave his son who suffered and died on the cross for your sin, taking your judgment, taking your wages, your penalty. God wants to save you, wants to forgive you. Isn't that wonderful? Heaven is better than hell, I tell you that much. God is better than the devil. Jesus is better than sin and those temporary pleasures. He's the water of life. He quenches your thirst. He's the bread of life. He, he satisfies your hungry soul for something. You know, that vacuum, everybody's got a vacuum that they're trying to fill. Everyone's got their tailor-made sin. They try to fill it with this and that and the other. You can never fill it. Only Jesus can. 20 years ago, Jesus satisfied my sin-sick soul. That doesn't mean I don't have any trials. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean I don't struggle. That doesn't mean that God is not working on me and in me and through me to try to get me where he wants to, me to be. That just means that I know that if I die, I'm going to be with the Lord. My name is written in heaven. What a beautiful thing that is. And the Bible says, but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, maybe shall be saved. Does it say that maybe shall be saved? Or does it say, shall be saved? Shall be. See, God gives assurance. He gives assurance. He doesn't say, maybe, hope so, one day we'll see how good you are. No, shall be. Why? Because salvation is of the Lord. You can't do anything to save yourself. For by grace are you saved through what? And that not of yourself. It is the gift of what? God. Not of yourself. Lest any man should 
exposed. You know, the last thing that God wants is for people to get to heaven and say, oh, the reason why I need to enter in God because I was the best, you know, human being on earth. You know, I walked so many old ladies across the street. I've given so much money to the poor. You know, I've been so good. Don't worry about the filth that I've watched on television and the things that I've said and, and all these different things. Don't worry about my drinking uh, uh, habits and the way I used to, to uh, cheat and lie and, and use your name in vain. You just look at all the good things. People hope that one day their good things will outweigh their, their, their bad things, but it's not true. Because then you have to ask the question, how much good do you have to do to get in? And who's the judge of that? No, certainly not you. <laughs> because we're biased. You know, we're just sinful people that have failed and God knows it. That he's waiting to say, come and I'll forgive you. Come and I'll give you mercy. I love you. I don't want you to perish. I want you to come in my kingdom. You know, it's God's desire that you'd be saved and forgiven. And he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to fulfill that desire, that you would have an opportunity and a second chance to come back. Isn't that tremendous? That I can come back and get right with God, who once was an enemy of God because of my sin, separated me from God. You know what Paul calls it? It's wonderful. He calls it the unspeakable gift. What we have in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sin, the mercies of God, eternal life. Paul says this is unspeakable. I don't have any words to describe it. Why? Because he knew. He knew that if your name's written in heaven, when you die, you're going to be with the Lord. There's no greater assurance than that. Through Christ, we've conquered death. Through Christ, we've conquered the grave. Listen, through Christ, we have conquered hell. You don't, you don't have to go to hell for your sin. Oh, yeah, but I want to. Really? You say, oh, you know how many people say that to me when I tell them heaven is better than hell? Oh, I want to go to hell. You know, Lucifer's going to be there. I love him. Really? Now, some of you are thinking, nah, I, I don't believe anybody that said that. Well, will you come out with me one day and I'll, 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 you'll hear it all the time. You know what the Bible it, it says? That people love darkness more than the light and they won't come into the light because their deeds are evil. The reason why they love darkness and Lucifer and all that because they love their sin. And they will not come to Christ lest they be reproved. And, and why? Get down on your knees and say, God, please forgive me. Bow your head and heart and say, God, please save me. And he will. All he's waiting is for you to admit that you're a sinner and that you're not good enough to get to heaven. There's nothing that you can do by yourself. You need Christ. You need his mercy. You need his forgiveness. And Paul calls it, he says, thank God for the unspeakable gift. God gave heaven's best to suffer and die on the cross for you. That's wonderful. God loves you. He gave his son. He never gave it for a good man or a righteous man. He gave his son for sinners that turned their back against God. And God calls them to come and repent and believe on his son to get right. What are some of the reasons to why this gift is unspeakable? Wonderful, tremendous. Well, now we move on to the reward for their rejoicing. Believers, number one, will spend their eternity in heaven to be with the Lord forever. That means everlasting. That means there's nothing that can ever change your citizenship. You know what Jesus said to his disciples to comfort their hearts? He said this in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I'll go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, look at this, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, 
there ye may be also. Heavens is not heaven without the Lord. <laughs> what a wonderful thing. You know, God is preparing the place for you right now, Curtis. A mansion in heaven to be with Jesus forever. Come on. You want to try to say what this world can offer? This world offers, offers you temporarily mansions. Some of you don't even have it. Some people do. It's temporary. Temporary pleasure. Temporary so-called pleasure, I should say. Jesus offers eternal life forever with him in heaven. Forever. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know why? Because the, the disciples were taken out of the world. And they, they, were, they looked like these, these Christians that were you know, going against the culture. If you ever went against the culture of the day, you, were, you, you, you looked like you had ten heads. Like something was wrong with you. No, Jesus had taken them out of the world, separating them to be his disciples and preparing them for heaven. And he encourages them with that. That there's an eternal inheritance for you, waiting for you. Number two, believers will have a new body in heaven. The Bible promises that in uh, Philippians 3, for our conversation or our lifestyles in heaven, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this, when he comes back again, he will change our vile body. This is vile, this body. It's only bent to do bad. You don't have to teach a little child to lie. They've got a degree, they've got a diploma, they've got a master's and a doctorate in how to lie. You don't have to teach them to lie. Believe me, I've got eight kids and they do it well. And they do it very convincingly. And it's, it's oh, who told them how to lie? Who taught them how to lie? Well, it's embedded in our DNA. And this is why one day when the Lord comes, not only he will save us from the very penalty of sin, which we're, we're, positionally we're saved from the very penalty of sin and from the power, but one day from the very presence of sin, my friend. You'll have a new body that will not stop you from worshipping and loving God like you were born to do. What a wonderful thing that is. A new body that will not ache, won't have any pains. And it, it, the Bible says it's a glorious body, fashioned like unto his glorious body. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about you, but this body's decaying too. Ever, you ever wonder why you're, you're getting older, not younger? Because of the sin that's reigning in our bodies. It's, it's causing us, it's, we're dying. I'm losing hair, I'm losing teeth. Man, I'm done. I'm not getting better. That's why Hollywood wants to uh, take supplements and uh, uh, get plastic surgery to always look younger, but one day we'll catch up with them. They're trying to feel younger and look younger, and you can't. You'll have a middle-aged crisis. Just go along with it and trust Jesus Christ and say, look, this is my lot. Sin is reigning in my body, but if I believe in Jesus, he'll give me a new body, and I'll be forever with him in heaven. That's the reward of our rejoicing. The whole purpose of having your name in heaven is because the benefits and the reward that come with it. God wants to bless you. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I'm looking forward to be with him forever. I'm looking for the blessings that he's going to give me. Number three, believers will have eternal rewards in heaven. Look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for what? Righteousness sake. You notice that people get persecuted for doing right and other people are praised for doing wrong. That's how you know we're in a twisted society. People glorify sin, and when you want to live for Jesus, you're the one that's got the problem. I don't understand that. All right, let's keep reading. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Look at this, verse 12. <clears throat> Rejoice 
and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know, the Bible says to rejoice and be exceeding glad for being a Christian. You're going to be misunderstood. People are going to think, well, look at this guy. He thinks he's better, better than us now. He doesn't do what he used to do, doesn't run with us. Be, you know, you don't understand. I'm not trying to be better than you. Jesus found me and I believed on him and now he's changing me and I'm loving it. It's hard. It's rigorous. I'm not trying to be better than you. I'm just, try, I'm just trying to be what God saved me to be. And Jesus said there's a reward for Christians that live righteous lives, follow after Jesus, and are persecuted for his name's sake. I thank God for that. Number four, believers will never be able to lose their salvation. You know when God gives you eternity, when God forgives you, when God gives you heaven, you can never lose it. That's the whole point of him saying that your names are written in there. Once it's written in heaven, it never can be blotted out. Over here on earth, things could be taken out. But in heaven, they're forever settled in heaven. What God promises, it's secure. And it's secure because of the blood of Christ. Jesus paid it all. That blood is able to cover all of your sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at this. For inheritance that's incorruptible. We, you and I have an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's not corrupted. And undefiled, it's not tainted, it's pure. And that fadeth not away, it can never be faded away. Look at this, reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Our salvation is complete when Jesus returns and the resurrection of the dead happens and we are changed and we're going to be forever with the Lord. And God... Gives you eternal security. No one can pluck you out of his hand. No one can pluck you out of the hand of Christ. You are his forever. The eternal salvation that we have is secure by the promise of God. Aren't you glad for that? I'll never, never ever, you would ever be judged for your sin because it was there judged on our behalf by the blood of Christ that suffered for us. The Bible says in John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me have everlasting life. Now, everlasting life, if it wasn't everlasting, would be strange. It's everlasting. Amen? It's everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but look at this, but is passed from what? Death to life. See, when you believe on Jesus, when you ask Jesus to save you, when you have a humble and broken disposition over your sin, the Bible says you will be passed from death to life. And that's a beautiful thing. But this is the sobering thing as we come to a close. We're almost done. Did you know the opposite is true? Did you know that if you don't believe on Christ, who is the saviour savior of your sin, that your name will not be written in heaven and that you will come into condemnation and that you will suffer the eternal damnation. Because that's the contrast that Jesus is also trying to draw. Because the, the only alternative to life is death. The only alternative to light is darkness. 
The only alternative to heaven is hell. So I don't believe that. Well, I believe God over any liar in any day. Men are liars. God never lies. I believe his word. A lot of people on the street talk to them and say, I don't believe in a hell. Do you believe in a prison? Yeah, I believe in prison. There's prison all over the place. Well, that's because justice is served. People, bad people go into prison. Jesus got a, God has a prison of himself. It's called hell and it's eternal. Well, if God would send people to hell, how could he be loving? Well, he did. He, he, he's loving by sending his son to die for you so you don't have to go to hell. People go to hell because they reject the son. People are judged for their sins because they reject Jesus Christ. That's God's plan of salvation for your life. He doesn't want you to go to hell. God is not willing that any should perish. You'll get that in a moment. But I want you to see Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. This is John prophesying about future things. The great white throne is where all people that have rejected Jesus Christ as their saviour will be standing before God in God's... Uh, 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 it's called uh, the great white throne before God's judgment. And him that sat on it, from whose faith the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead and the small and great stand before God. Look at this. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the what? The book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And look at verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into where? The lake of fire. Friend, if you die without Christ, you will stand before the throne, the books will be open, and if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, the angels will be commanded by God, if it would put this way, and you'll be cast into the lake of fire, and you'll forever be burning with Lucifer, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all those wicked people that hated God in their heart. And you know what? I'll even say this. All the wicked religious people that used God's name to make a dollar. Never look at God in the light of religious people who use God's name and act religious. Did you know Jesus to his own people flipped the tables when they were trying to use the house of God to make merchandise? He drove them away. He says, my house is a house of prayer and they were trading and trying to make money. Look, listen, this is rampant today and people are turned off Christianity because of people like that. But I'm saying to you, you'll never use that excuse in heaven because one day they'll stand before God and you will too. Your, their sin will be judged and so would yours. But you know what? God doesn't want to judge you. God wants you, he wants your name written in heaven. He wants you when, you when the roll is called up yonder. Okay. He's, he's, he's believed on the Son. He's believed on the Lamb of God. His name's here. He can go in. Wow. What a, what a wonderful, joyous occasion it will be for those that have believed on Christ. But the opposite is true, my friend. You'll be bound hand and foot and throw, thrown into utter darkness, forever burning and tormented, because you, you, you rejected Christ. 
That's heartbreaking. That's heart-wrenching. Look at Revelation 21.8. But the fearful, and what's the next one? And the unbelieving. The unbelieving. And the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death why do you always see the second death because the first death is this one day when you die your bones and your body will go into the grave six foot under but your soul and spirit will enter into eternity and if again if you die without jesus christ as your personal savior you will die the second death which is hell being cast into the lake of fire if you only believe in the first death well you know, that, that's your business but god believes in the second death people are hoping that there's only one time you're going to die you're going to hit you're going to hit you know the, your body's going to be worm food but let me say you're more than dirt god never created you a temporal being he created you as an eternal being you're here I mean, just think about the body, how God created the body. No man can do this design. No man can clone it. This is an un, this is extraordinary piece of art. God's designs. Unbelievable. My voice box. Yeah, I told my kids the other day, do you know where you speak from? My son said, from your lungs. No, no, no. You're, you're, that's where you breathe from. You speak from your throat. Yeah, there's a voice box. Hey, that's amazing. And it's unique to you. Unless you lose it when you get sick, you sound something different. But, <clears throat> but this is you. I know, you know, you sound like Curtis. You sound like Damon. You sound like Kevin. You know people from their voice. That, that alone is extraordinary. That alone. No man can do this. You know, people try to do it. You know, those robo ro robotic answering machines. You know, they try to speak like a human and try to put, you know, you could tell this is artificial. You know, the devil's always trying to clone the things of God. He's done it right from the beginning. Counterfeit attempts. But you were created in the image of God. And the devil's trying to trash it. Trying to change gender. Change marriage covenant. Change church. Change this. Doesn't work. You only get chaos from what God designed and purpose. That's why the world's in a mess. And I'm telling you now, if you change the plan of salvation... And you think you can get saved another way or go to go to into this you know uh, fairyland you know i'm going to be with all my ancient you know i'm going to no it's either heaven or it's hell and there's no purgatory i speak to people on the street i said you know where you're going to go when you die heaven or hell we're we are in heaven i said this ain't heaven this heaven we're all in trouble and the other person says, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Heaven or hell? Oh, we're in hell. So one of them is probably taking some ecstasy tablets. This is on a high and he says, I'm in heaven. The other one guy's depressed, coming down from it. Jesus is the only one that can give eternal joy. Jesus is the only one that can give you reality of life and true happiness that lasts forever. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you that have your sin forgiven. That's what we need. We need our sin forgiven. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed on a man once to die and after this the judgment. Everyone has an appointment with death and everyone will stand before God. The first one is inevitable. You will die. And people would die with a stone-faced, hard-hearted to God. And other people would die with a hum humble disposition, cannot wait to see him.
Have a look at the second verse, 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear second time without sin and the salvation. Are you looking for Christ? Are you saying, come Lord Jesus, my Saviour, I can't wait to see you, or are you living for the here and now? You say, aren't you living, Charlie? Yeah, I'm living. I'm living in Christ to try to live out what God has called me to do here on earth, doing good things in their proper place, not abusing the very things that God set up. It's hard as a Christian. I'm not going to tell you living the Christian life is easy. But you know what? Storms will come. But when they do, at least I have Jesus in the boat with me, my friend. I don't have to face this life without God and his word that gives me comfort. I'm just, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, but I'm still made out of the same stuff like you are. I still face the same trials and temptation like you do, but I've got something that helps me. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the joy of heaven. <laughs> and you can have that too. You know, Christians need to be more excited about their salvation. You see, Christians today, I get on the street, you say, I'm saved, they look at you like they haven't got heaven in their heart. And I know people struggle. I know people are hurt, even Christians. I know people go through sorrowful moments. I'm not saying put on this, uh, you know, fake disposition, but in reality, in our hearts of hearts, brethren, death cannot touch us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. And thy rod and staff, they comfort me. He's our shepherd. He's our great shepherd, good shepherd. Now, in closing, in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, going back to our main text, notice what our Lord Jesus Christ rejoices over. In verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid the, uh, thou, uh, he says, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. You know what Jesus is rejoicing over? Jesus is re rejoicing over the fact that God opens up the eyes of those that are humble, those that are babes, and he closes the eyes, if you, or they're already closed already, but you know, uh, he, he doesn't reveal, if you will, the truth to those that are proud and wise in their own conceit. Truth is only revealed to those that are tender, those that are humble, those that allow the truth of God's word to affect their heart. You can respond either hard to this message and continue in your sin, or you can humble yourself and say, God, I am a sinner in need of a saviour. And God will continue to reveal his plan and purposes for your life. He will draw you to more truth and more light. But if you're hard toward the things of God, why would God ever open up your eyes to the truth? Why would God ever reveal these things to you? You know why people get hard? Because they reject the light that God gives them. You reject the creator who made all things. You reject your conscience who's given you your conscience as an alarm bell to, to expose those things that are wicked. You reject God's word. You keep rejecting the light that God has given you. Truth, you would be blind as a bat. Jesus said to the Pharisees in verse 39, For judgment I've come into this world that they which see, uh, they which see, not might see, and that they would see might be made blind. 
And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard the words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin what? Remaineth. You know why the Pharisees, the religious rulers, couldn't see? Because they couldn't admit their sin. They covered their sin by their religious works. But deep down, they were just like you and me, full of sin and extortion lust and pride outwardly they looked like they were like righteous people but inwardly jesus said they're like dead men's bones they are dead carcass you know what's the first thing my friend for you to see salvation in jesus christ you must see your sin oh yeah we're, we're, we're human beings we all sin not like that every any, anyone can admit their sin and say, yeah, I've done this, I've done that, we're human. I'm really, I'm talking about being broken over your sin and your, your, your wicked state. Man, we, we heard a testimony of a man today that was trembling over the fact that he was convicted in his heart that what he was doing was sin and wrong. And it was a big contrast to those that were just, <laughs> I was there. I was being humiliated on the corner and he was just, he had his head down, he was convicted and finished. He saw his sin and that in turn, in time, allowed him to see the Saviour. When he heard the good news that God loved him and gave his son, his eyes began to open and there's this relief of joy. He died for me. If you don't see your sin, you can never be saved. If you're not broken over it, forget it. You must have a a repentant heart, a brokenness over your sin, that your sin is vile, you're a rebel against God, and what you've done doesn't please God, and one day you'll stand before God and give an account for every word, thought, and deed. You know, it's against God's will that you die and go to hell. You know, God is joyful over people who see their sin, repent, and turn to Jesus Christ. Look at Luke 15, 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that what? You know what God is rejoicing over? When you believe on Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing. God rejoices before the angels of God when one sinner turns back and believes on Jesus. God is joyful. That's what God is excited about. Believe me, God is not excited about when your football team wins. God's not excited about when someone scores a try. God's excited about when people get saved. That's where God's heart is, amen? It's against God's will to see people die and perish in hell. 2 Peter 3 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us good, not willing that any should perish, but all come to what? There it is again. Friend, you cannot be saved if you don't have a repentant heart. A lot of people believe in Jesus here in their head. I believe in Jesus, so does the devil, but they don't follow Jesus. When the prodigal son came home, the father rejoiced. Did you know that? 
In the beginning, he kind of spat in his face. The, the, the narrative of the story tells us that he said to his father, give me the inheritance, see you later. And he goes, spent his uh, life on, on wasted substance and riotous living, and he ended up in the pig pen, and he humbled himself. He said, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against my father. He returned. His father was looking, and he ran to him, kissed his neck, told his, uh, uh, his servants to kill a fatted calf. We're having a barbecue, and let us eat and be what? Merry. Why? For this my son was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. This is what God rejoices over. This is what the Father is happy about. And this is God's desire. Look at Luke 12. It says here, Fear not, little flock. Look at this. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the what? Wow. Man, God is excited and rejoicing over the fact that heaven can be your home. Isn't that a blessing? That's a blessing. That's, that's, that's what God's rejoicing. His heart is full of joy. It's his good pleasure. And he made it possible by giving us his son. There is no doubt the heart of every Christian and preacher has the same kind of rejoicing. You know what John says? I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in what? Truth. And you know what? Jesus is the way the truth and the life. There's no greater joy in this, this preacher's life than to see some of these kids come to Christ and not go and spend their life running after the devil's uh, pleasure. It's a joy when I see someone. I told Curtis, you can go home and do what I did. Get right with God. Ask Jesus to save you. He says, I want to do it now. No one forced him. No one pressured him. Someone just put the truth in front of him and compelled him and said, what will stop you? And he bowed his head and he prayed to ask God for his forgiveness. And that makes a preacher jump and click his heels, I'll tell you that much. Mate, I rejoice with God. I rejoice with heaven and only heaven would declare it. People look at you and think, look, look, look what he's happy about. Well, what are you happy about? The divorce rates that are up the roof. People uh, the next day lying in their vomit because they drink all night, having a headache. A man that doesn't know Christ yelling at his wife. A father abusing his children. You tell me, what good has this world done for us? Nothing. And Jesus wants to bless us with good things. There's no greater joy, he says. There's no greater joy. Yeah. There's no greater joy. When I saw my mum and my father back there profess Christ and then they get baptised, when my father professed Christ and he got baptised, I'll tell you, I was running around my house. Inside, not out. People thought I would have been crazy. But inside, I was running and jumping because it took five years for my father to humble himself and bow his head and heart and renounce his orthodox tradition that made him feel good and self-righteous and bow his head and receive Christ as his saviour. There's no greater joy to see people come to Christ. Can I ask you a question? Is your name written in heaven? In other words, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal saviour?
Have you repented and bowed your head and heart, trusting nothing else but Christ? Have you come and seen your sin the way God sees it? Vile and wretched, condemned, not making excuses, not shifting the blame, and saying, God, I'm a sinner, and I can't save myself. I deserve what I get, like that thief on the cross. And I know you're righteous and you're holy. You've done nothing wrong. Just remember me when you're coming to your kingdom. And you might just hear, today you'll be with me in paradise. That day that thief on the cross, in his dying hour, had his name written in heaven. Wow! What about you? Because if you haven't, you can. You can have your name written in heaven. You can have the, the hope of eternal life only if you'd come to the Son. He that had the Son have, and he that had not the Son of God have not what? I write these unto you that you may believe, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the only begotten Son. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Where do you find your pleasure? What source of satisfaction are you seeking after? I guarantee you here, my friends, brothers and sisters and family and friends alike, if you're trying to seek happiness and joy outside of Jesus Christ, you won't find it. It's found only in the person of Christ and Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.